Hello, my name is Britt Hicks, and this is another Exvangelical podcast. On this podcast, I interview people from all walks of life who in some way identify with the term Exvangelical. On that note, everyone has their own personal story, their own vocabulary. Uh, When listening to this podcast, there may be things that you agree with and things that you don't agree with. And I invite you to just to sit and hold space for the person that you're listening to. All right. So this week we have my friend and classmate, Kelly Brewer with us. Kelly, say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Britt. Um, I am a student at your seminary. Um, I grew up PCA and uh, kind of a lot to a lot to learn from there and a lot to a lot I've changed since then. What is PCA? PCA is a branch of the Presbyterian Church. There's two branches. There's um, PCA, which is Presbyterian Church in America, and PCUSA. Um, PCA is very much the conservative branch. Um, Women aren't really allowed to do anything in services. They're not allowed to teach men in Sunday school classes. Um, they're not allowed to pray in services or allowed to hold roles like deacon or elder. So completely different from PCUSA. <laughs> it's like, it's really like a day, day and night difference. So Kelly and I were in the class together where I started this podcast, which was our evangelical class. And I remember in that class, Kelly having a lot of like, oh, 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 <laughs> moments. <laughs> what was that like? What were some of the things in that class that you were like, okay, this makes sense? <laughs> Man, so much. <laughs> um, I know Bill Gothard came up a lot. And did you watch the, um, what was the show called? Shiny Happy People. Yes. Yes. So growing up, Um, I was homeschooled. Um, We weren't like, we didn't use Gothard's curriculum, but we definitely um, read some of his books. We did the Dobsons. Um, We watched the Duggars. We had a lot of the Duggar books around the house. Um, And a lot of the books that were mentioned and a lot of the authors and um, you know, big figureheads that were mentioned in the evangelical class were very familiar kind of family names to me. I didn't realize how much their theology had infiltrated the church because I don't remember hearing Bill Gothard's name um, before the class, which I probably had at some point. 
And I honestly thought they were saying Bill Gaither. I was like, no, not Bill Gaither. <laughs> um, but Bill Gothard. Uh, and for people that aren't familiar, if you've seen the picture of there's like three umbrellas, right? You've got the umbrella that's God that's covering the husband, that's covering the wife, that's covering the kids. It's like this whole like hierarchy of um, authority and what they call like spiritual authority. Um, and I would even say that it would be God, the pastor, and then the husband, because the pastor always had this major authority over families. And they also had a very strong uh, say in like how you should punish your kids. And this is also where kind of this like, don't be too happy, <laughs> you know, like be happy, but not too happy. Um that they would set aside time to punish their kids and be like, okay, now we're going to do like discipline time. Um, it's very much a recipe plainly for brainwashing. Um, so I, what was it like? And if, again, you don't have to answer certain questions or whatever. You can just say no and <laughs> we can move on. Um, but seeing shiny, happy people, like, I feel like that was an extreme of what, what happened within a certain sex of the Christian movement. And it's not even just one, uh, specific denomination, because again, we would have the families that would come in and they would be, you know, they would have so many kids right and the mom would say well i'm just going to keep having kids until god tells me to stop and they would be on their 10th kid so you could see that there was still that pattern of you know what what the gothards were were teaching um so what was it for like what was it like for you growing up and then kind of the aha of like yeah this yeah no this isn't quite right something's not sitting right with me yeah um so growing up I struggled a lot honestly um and you know one of the things is um the dad is supposed to kind of like pick out somebody for the daughter to marry and like all of the courtship is supposed to go through mm -hmm. the dad everything and I didn't really have that kind of situation that would fit that mold and so I was always paranoid going oh my gosh I'm never gonna get out of this <laughs> and like I also dealt with some depression that I didn't realize until I got into college and um you know I was told on multiple occasions by multiple people well you're just not looking to God for your happiness you need to depression's not a real thing mental illness is not a real thing you don't need medication for all that you just need to be looking to God for your joy so, <laughs> which does not help at all i mean no. it's, you you also use a wheelchair so it'd be like someone coming up to you and being like why don't you just walk yeah just get up and walk and you're like i would <laughs> if i could i really would <laughs> for real for real uh 
Man, yeah, I had a friend who I'm hopefully going to interview at some point, but her dad was that person. And I remember like her dating the guys and it was just, you know, at the time you're like, okay, that's cool. And then like later you look back at it and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) what was going on? (laughs) What in the world? Um, So you go to college. Uh, Did you have, um, well, first of all, we'll back up a little bit. Were you born into a Christian family? Were you always a Christian? Yeah, I was born into a Christian family. Um, I remember going to church all my life, pretty much. Um, I really remember we started going to the PCA church when I was about five. Before then, it was Southern Baptist. Um, Mm, Okay. And so I really grew up PCA. Um, and I remember like dad was definitely the head of the household and, um, everything kind of revolved around him and making sure that he was happy, making sure that he had everything that he wanted, um, to the best of our ability. Um, it wasn't to this extreme in my family, but I know in several of our friends' families, it was even to the extent of like the woman had to have the, her husband's permission to go to the grocery store or to change brands of toilet paper or something. Like not even joking. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, she would have to have my permission to change the brand of our toilet paper because I am very picky. But <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is that. And looking at the state of our country, man, that makes so much sense, right? Because that's kind of where we're at, where we have to like cater to the straight white man, make sure he's happy, make sure he's fed, make sure that, you know, he can objectify whoever he wants to objectify. Like, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, anyway, um, so once you got out of the house, when did you start noticing, like, maybe what, you know, I grew up with wasn't the best? So that's kind of interesting in and of itself. Um, I, most of the girls in the circle that I grew up in didn't go to college. They just mm. stayed at home and um, either did college online or didn't do college because their entire purpose was to get married and have babies. Hmm. Um, But we had some friends and my piano teacher that were recommending a very small college, private college um, that was affiliated with the Methodist church. Um, And it was about an hour away. So I could drive, I could commute because of course I couldn't live on campus. Um, And so I get to college and I, at the time I was a real jerk because I was still just parroting (laughs) all of the stuff that I had been told growing up. And now I just pick myself. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) I have those moments all the time. (laughs) I'm so sorry. If I could go back and apologize to those poor people that I hurt. But um, yeah, so I started realizing, oh, these are people that think differently than me 
and they're not the devil like they're okay <laughs> they're nice people they're christian people like um they're they've really got some great stuff to offer i think a lot of these people and um you know just hearing about how people grew up differently from me and i'm like oh i mean the way i grew up wasn't normal <laughs> so that's that's really how things started changing for me and i know it's it's a you know to quote you know to use some christianese that it's a slow fade right like you don't just wake up and go oh yeah this is all messed up like you just it's a little bit at a time and it's i mean it really does come in community and interaction with other people uh, did you ever have some sort of faith crisis in this as well? So after I graduated from college, I moved out to Waco um, and to go to grad school the first time. And that's kind of when I was, I call it really hitting my deconstruction and reconstruction period. Um I feel like I I never really totally lost my faith, but I for sure kicked a lot of it out the window. And um, I feel like I had the freedom to kind of experiment with different traditions and um, kind of see what I believed yeah, and figure out if I still wanted that to be a part of my life. What, what were some of the things that, um, I guess you could say that you gave up and then some things that you, you embraced. Hmm. Well, my rebellious phase was, um, watching all of the Disney movies and <laughs> Disney TV shows that I hadn't been allowed to watch growing up. Uh, oh, and watching Friends. So kind of getting caught up on pop culture, mm. um, TV yeah. shows, and music for sure. Uh, I'm still enjoying that. And uh, also I started dating on my own um, instead of the whole purity culture courtship. And that's how I met my husband and eventually married him. And I don't think my parents met him until after we were engaged. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he didn't ask for your dad's blessing? No. <laughs> I always thought that was kind of weird. It's like, okay, so are we property? <laughs> I mean, basically, yes. You know, yeah. Um, I have a period of my life where I didn't listen to anything except for Christian music. And that was probably about a four or five year period. So I call that my dark ages. Cause I don't know any pop culture references from that time. Um, so also thinking back, okay. So, um, so now you're at seminary and you're in this culture that is completely different than when you grew up, right? I mean, for me as someone that grew up evangelical, I would have never thought there would be a space with so many queer people, so many trans people, um, 
people from different religions, different backgrounds. You know, I, I expected that when I went into the military, but I didn't expect that from seminary. Um, so it was a, a complete, I don't want to say culture shock. I mean, for me, it was a relief. I was like, oh my God, like I can breathe here. I can be myself. Um, what was like, what was it like coming into seminary for you? Um, especially the first few weeks and even still, I, I still get a little bit of a shudder when I hear the name John Calvin, um, or, you know, <laughs> Same. Yeah. things like that. Um, the idea of going to a Presbyterian seminary, um, yeah. How did that happen? How did you end up at a Presbyterian seminary? Well, it just happens that this is the area we're in right now for both of our jobs and um, to be closest to my spouse's family. And so um, that was kind of my option. And um, they offered and I got in and it just all worked out. And, um, yeah, so I still, I can't bring myself to go to a Presbyterian church, even a PCUSA, just because there's still too much trauma associated with the name and like the, um, all of the buzzwords, like I said, you know, mm -hmm. John Calvin and Tulip and all of this, but, um, I'm, I'm getting there. I definitely feel like seminary is this particular seminary anyways, is a safe space. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're going into your second year, your first yeah. year. I, I like to refer to it as hell year. Cause it's just like, you're really just trying to figure things out. You're also trying to figure the professors out and yeah. Um, every time I have a, a new professor, it's like, okay, let's see how this person's going to grade and what they're going to be like. Um, I'm in my last year. I know my professor, so I'm set. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I have no anxieties there. Um, so going back to the, the evangelical class, what were some of the things, um, and I, I keep kind of, well, I'll, it seems like I ask a question and then we kind of go on rabbit trails. So I'm trying to go back to those <laughs> questions um so going back to the evangelical class and all the things that we're covering you know sexuality um race all sorts of things what were some things that you picked up from that class that um really helped um for sure um covering purity culture more in depth um, and I was able to like share that with my husband and, um, he was just like, oh my gosh, this is the way you grew up. Like, no wonder, <laughs> no wonder, like you have feel like you have to ask my permission to like spend money or whatever. Um, and so that has helped, um, kind of overcome some of those hurdles I guess, um, definitely I love reading Nadia Boltzweber and just everything the woman says is spot on. 
Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's part of why, you know, um, people say, well, why don't you just leave the faith entirely? Why are you still in the faith? And part of that is because like she says, um, you know, this religion thing, this scripture is too dangerous to be left in the wrong hands. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, the evangelical class kind of gave me a start on some tools to help hopefully undo some of the damage that I and the evangelical world has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's great that you acknowledge yourself too. Cause I, I have those cringe moments at least every other day where I think about something I did and I'm like, Oh my God. You know, there's this meme that was going around and said, sorry for the things I said when I was a evangelical teenage asshole. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it was that person. I'm sure I sent it to my mom. I sent it to her best friend. I'm like, I just, I was struggling, you know, I was really, really struggling. Um, so I know one thing that you're into is disability theology. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you got into that? Well, for me, it's very personal because um, I have a disability and I call myself an ambulatory wheelchair user, um, which means that I can walk sometimes, but not all the time. And that's just the nature of my disability. Um, so you would think that all the churches would be super welcoming to people with disabilities and want to be just like, oh yeah, come on in, but they're not. And so that's another area where the church really has a lot of work to do to be welcoming and to be the hands and feet of Christ um, is to make the buildings accessible and to make their programs accessible and to train the staff and the congregations on how to interact with people with disabilities. Spoiler alert, you treat them like a human being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I learned. Um, so in one of my pastor sermons, I think it was the week before this last week, she talked about um, accessibility and how churches don't have to follow ADA um, guidelines at all. And I'm like, that's that's messed up. I mean, it makes sense because they're a private entity and they can do basically whatever they want. They do whatever they want. Uh, but still, it's like, we, we've read the Bible. That's why you and I are in seminary is because we've read it. We've read the words of Jesus. And he was also, he was always talking to everybody. And you know, to go into a place. And I remember I preached one Sunday, Kelly was um, supposed to come, but part of me was like, oh, I'm kind of glad you didn't because I was looking, I was in my head. I'm like, okay, how is she going to get like, you know, this part's accessible, but how would she get here? You know, like me just overthinking the whole thing. Right. Um, 
And I brought that up. I brought that up. It was either in that sermon or the next one. I'm like, this is, this church is a hundred and something years old. We're about to go into a new building phase, but the next building has to be accessible, you know, and it's one of the books um, I read. I think it was the, um, wasn't your body's a prayer request, but it was a uh, queer feminist. And um, do you remember what it was called? Queer feminist. Oh, something no I know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah yeah um but she talks about you know it's not if you become disabled it's for when so right. it's like you have to think about it for yourself too because if you stay at this church for the next you know when i'm almost 40 if i stay there for the next 30 years like i would need it to be accessible at some point so why not just make it accessible now for everybody um but yeah, uh, and even like at the school, like I know that, you know, they, they have strides to go to in that area as well. Um, one book you had told me about was My Body's Not a Prayer Request. And man, the cringe moments reading through that. I went to a church that if you had a visible disability, you had zero chance of somebody not laying hands on you and trying to pray that out or pray for healing oh. and uh, it was so like cringy and I, I even remember seeing people come in and in my head going I think they just want to come to church like I think just like everybody else they just want to come to church and it was also uh, the type that like if you look visibly distraught or sad you know they wanted to pray for you like they wanted to pray for you on everything I'm like maybe let's not <laughs> let's just let's let us be um yeah well and that goes back to the um depression comment as well where oh we just need to pray hard enough and this will go away oh you just need to get right with god and your joy comes from the lord not from your outer circumstances yeah and no <laughs> that's not the way this works no no not at all and that's that's something too is i wonder how many people come out of these spaces that were like i have depression um i have anxiety you know like that come out of these spaces realizing like oh you know what medication and therapy aren't bad things <laughs> like i can have jesus and i can have therapy and medication like it's that's okay like it's not a you know and or if or whatever however the saying goes um yeah what what do you think your studies are going to look like like are you going to focus more on disability um theology or is there another like what what do you want your focus to be on or do you even know yet you know to be honest disability is a part of my life but I don't want that to be my focus necessarily. Yeah. Um, I want, I would love for us to get to a place where it doesn't have to be a focus. Yes. Yeah. And that would be my goal to where I can help make that such an everyday um, occurrence that it no longer has to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people coming out, like hopefully one day people no longer have to come out. Like it's just, 
can we just be people? Yes. Like, that's it. Like, Absolutely. just let us be. Um, so through all this, you've gone through deconstruction, you've gone through reconstruction, you're in seminary now. Um, and I know God, seminary, the three years, four years that you're there, every year is completely different. Um, at this, at this moment, do you still consider yourself a Christian? Absolutely. Why? Um, one of our listeners asked me to ask the follow-ups on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I was a little stuck so that, that's for him. Yeah. I was like, oh, that is good. <laughs> um, I, I hesitate a little bit to call myself a Christian just because of the evangelical associations. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely consider myself a Christian um, in that my goal is to follow Christ and share God's love with everyone and see God's love in everyone. Um, and not just get bogged down in church work and staying in um, the little evangelical box of making sure people come to church. Um, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I'm actually on the ordination track for deacon in the Methodist mm -hmm. church which instead of like a senior pastor, a deacon is meant to help connect the world and the church. So oh, cool. Okay. it tends to um, be more of like an, an outreach position slash working in the world more than just working in the church. Okay. That's awesome. Um, I don't know much about the Methodist <laughs> other okay. than our good friends week. that are Methodist. Yeah. Um, I went to a Methodist church for a little bit right before I came to seminary. Um, but that's great. Uh, it's where it was your church this way where it was like, you were the only church. That was it. There was no other church, but your church. And like, we would have, um, pastors say, just bring them in. We'll clean them. You know, like to kind of take like pressure off of like witnessing to people. They're like, just bring them in. And it's like, okay. Um, but we had, so I was uh, Assembly of God and we had an Assembly of God church right down the road from us. We never did anything with that Assembly of God church, like nothing at all. And it's so refreshing to be part of a church that we have, like we do stuff with all the churches in our area. Like there's no like us versus them, you know, it's, it's, or not even churches, like just, you know, other, with other people of faith, um, what was that like for you, like to be around, like to be able to be around other people of faith and not have this, I always had the ulterior motive of, or felt like I had the ulterior motive to be friends with people, to win them to Christ, even though I'd never like witnessed to them like that. Oh, that drives me nuts when it feels like either you're a project or everybody you're around is your project and the relationship doesn't feel genuine. Yeah. Um, but being around people, once I got past the being an asshole stage <laughs> and was able to start 
um, recognizing people for who they are. Um, it was amazing. I made some really, really good friends. And um, several of them now have deconstructed as well. Um, and it's just, it's amazing to see that growth and how we can all like help better each other. Yeah. Yeah. People are really cool. Like once you get to know them and it's funny that like you keep saying like your asshole phase. Cause I look at you, I'm like, I can't ever imagine Kelly being an asshole. <laughs> and I think people kind of feel that, and I, you know, toot my own horn, feel the same way about me. Like, I can't believe, I can't see you being an ass, you know, like myself being an asshole. I'm like, I was, I was, <laughs> I was. was very much an asshole. Um, <laughs> uh, that's going to be the next podcast. No longer assholes. Um, <laughs> And we kind of touched on this a little bit, but what are some like books or podcasts, maybe influencers that have been helpful to you in your journey? I know you said Nadia Boltzweber. She's one of my number ones. Yes, definitely. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is called Straight White American Jesus by Bradley Onishi. Um, he is also an evangelical. And he's no longer a Christian, but um, he is a religion professor or an ethics professor. And so he and uh, the people on his program uh, discuss all of the religious topics and um, they, <laughs> they call it decoding because it really is like speaking in the code of evangelicalism evangelicalism um and so they're able to talk about it in a very educated way and not um just like a oh we're just gonna bash this mm, yeah um, and so I've really enjoyed that one um you mentioned this one earlier the my body is not a prayer request mm. um and then obviously um, you know, the things that culture is catching up to now, like shiny, happy people. Yeah. I, I love that things are being exposed like that in Hillsong and, um, it's been really good. And then good things, right? Like Flaming Grant becoming, you know, number one and, uh, Selmer, uh, they hit the charts too. Like we're, we're finally getting to a place that we belong. Like th these are circles that we belong in, even though they weren't, you know, invited to the Christian music awards, they bought their tickets. <laughs> They're going to go, but these are spaces that we very much, everyone belongs in. Um, and it's good to see, you know, see us claiming that and not shying away from it either going, Oh, well, you know, we don't belong there. Like, no, we do. Um, how do you, what, how do you feel about the word evangelical? Do you feel like that's a word that can be reclaimed or should we just throw it out? I say throw it out. It's, throw it out? It carries too much baggage. <laughs> yeah, I'm still wrestling with it um, because in the UCC, we have German evangelicals that uh, 
help start the churches here in America, but they were completely different. Like it's like, again, it's like saying PC, uh, PCA and PC USA, like it's two completely different things. So now I'm having to like recalibrate and go, okay, how do I still feel about this? Um, cause yeah, it does like, you know, if you were to go into a church and they said that we're, you know, open to everyone, we're evangelical, I would have a very, like, I would, yeah, that that's how I would feel on the inside, um, very wide-eyed and, like, you know, shifty eyes going, okay, you know, and especially if the pastor was a white cis male, I'd be like, mm. <laughs> I, I don't know about this. And I've been in some of those spaces, and I'm like, ah, it's going to take me a long time to trust you. Um, cause you look like a Theo bro. Um, let's see, what are some things that you, or if anything that you still hold dear from your past? Um, I mean, I think there's some nostalgia wrapped up in certain things like, um, certain hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, I still like to listen to Christian music, not exclusively. Um, things okay. This is my, this is my bad one. Adventures and Odyssey. <laughs> um, I enjoy the stories, um, on the good ones, and then get rid of all the rest. Um, yeah. And I certainly wouldn't let, if I had young children, I certainly wouldn't let young children listen to them. Um, but for me, I think it's nostalgia of, oh, I remember growing up and listening to this on Saturday morning while making pancakes. <laughs> um, and like actually listening to it on the radio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> yeah. Did but y'all watch Salty? Not on a regular basis. Okay. No. Were y'all allowed to watch VeggieTales? I know some families were iffy about VeggieTales. We were allowed to watch the really old VeggieTales. Once they okay. stopped being about Bible stories, then we weren't allowed to watch them. Anymore. Uh, okay. I would definitely let my kids watch VeggieTales. Like, yeah. I love, still love VeggieTales. Um, who, who are some Christian artists that you still enjoy listening to? I love Lauren Daigle. Hmm. Um, I love Toby Mac, Mandisa. Um, I forgot about Mandisa. Yeah, she was good. Yeah. Those are those are my top three. Yeah, whenever I um, bring out my guitar or like play the piano, I'll play some of the old hymns or like old. I love Delirious. Um, growing up, that was my go-to band. Um, but yeah, those are the things that I'll still play because that's what I, that's where I played was at church. So, you know, it wasn't anyway. Um, yeah. Were, were there more things that you, you would, you still hold dear, you still hold dear from that, that past life? Not really. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, what is something that you would want to tell your younger self? Ooh. If she would listen. <laughs> that would be the thing. Um, I 
that God loves you and God loves other people. And it's not about this checklist of things that you have to do or be in order to earn that love. Hmm. I think I see, is that Harry Potter in the back? Yes. Well, what would she say about you having Harry Potter books? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Enjoy it. (laughs) Because back then I was not allowed to read them. Yeah. Yeah. I I had never read it. Um, And I think my first semester, after my first semester, my therapist was like, you should probably read Harry Potter. And I read, um, I like sped read through the first three books during my winter break. Um, and then they just got thicker. And I'm like, I don't have the capacity to read this right now. But it was so great. It was so nice. Like now to understand some of the Harry Potter references and stuff where before I was totally lost in conversation. I didn't know what people were talking about. Um, felt like a total outsider. Um, and I also would have still kind of have a little envy on people that are like like cultish about things right like you've got your trekkies you've got your star wars people you've got your harry potter people that like just love it and they have collections of things and um grew up and that was what they were obsessed about right and i think i had this thought during a class i was like you know what i did i was a fan fiction person the bible like i love jesus like that was my like fan fiction obsession right going to conferences going to like camps and all this stuff having the weird t-shirts that you know it looked like uh, Reese's logo but it said Jesus or you know just all all the things and um I keep looking at my I remember showing you my little evangel cube having oh, li- little things like that where you know um but yeah yeah, uh, the person I, I interviewed yesterday when I asked him this, he goes, yeah, I don't know if my younger self would accept what I would have to say to him, but <laughs> this is what I would say. I'm like, you know, even like I can remember my mom's friend. Um, I said something. I was being a snarky asshole. And she basically like just looked at me and said, you need to have um some self-reflection. Like you need to look inward. You got to feel figure your shit out and at that time I was like yeah whatever like I know what I know I'm smarter than you I have Jesus you know like all these things but like it's stuck like it just I that kept replaying like you know until now like I'm glad that she said that even though I wasn't able to accept it at that time it's still you know it's still germinated um what is something that you would want to tell somebody listening to this interview Um, one thing that a therapist has told me, and I was talking to a friend about this just the other day, is that in a way it feels like some of our time has been stolen. Mm -hmm. Some of our, um, our life experiences we didn't get to experience as a kid. Our childhood was stolen and take that back. If it means watching Disney movies for Mm -hmm. hours, if it means reading Harry Potter as a 30 something year old, Mm -hmm. like 
take it back, claim your life. And, you know, it's okay to argue with God and be mad at God and God can take it while you figure this out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But when I got to seminary, that was the thing. I came in with a clean slate. It's like, I don't know where Jesus and I are right now, but Jesus can handle it. You know, maybe we'll come back later. Maybe we won't, you know, have time to figure it out. Um, And this is something that I've been kind of playing with is like, you know, people that come out as queer, but I also feel like this intersects with people that um, have deconstructed. Like you go through a second adolescence. Is that what it feels like? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I feel like we had to mature so quickly um, within our spaces. And like you were saying that there were so many things that was like, there were more don'ts than there were do's. And yeah, like just that, like giving yourself permission just to, again, watch the the movies, watch the Harry Potter or, you know, watch Harry Potter, read Harry Potter, um, Twilight, like we weren't allowed to watch Twilight, all, you know, all the things. Um, go to Disney World. Be that that Disney adult that I would make fun of. <laughs> but, you know, if that's your thing, do it. Uh, well, Kelly, it was so nice talking to you. Um, I hope you have a great semester and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Sounds great. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Instagram or on Facebook. You can find us at another evangelical podcast on all streaming platforms. You can also leave reviews on, I believe, any platform that you're listening to. I know you can on Spotify, but the best way to reach me is through Facebook and Instagram. I would love to hear from y'all. Let me know what you want to hear in season two. Let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, um, what uh, was hard to digest in season one. I really, really would love to hear from y'all. You can send me a private message or you can message under the uh, the picture of the episode that you would like to comment on. Y'all take care. Goodbye.